Welcome back to 901 Voices and Votes Podcast, brought to you by 118 Media. This is Kelly D. I'm Brother Jet. And I'm Pearl Walker. 901 Voices and Votes Podcast, where we're talking about everything community, politics, news, and your voice in votes and why it matters. Welcome back to another episode of 901 Voices and Votes Podcast, brought to you by 118 Media. I'm Kelly D. I'm Brother Jet. And, and I'm Tony Hayes. And we're in the house. And the house is packed. <laughs> and we got a great show today. I'll tell you what, um, just the pre to the, free, to the show was um, enough. <laughs> um, we got some really special guests on here today. And we're going to be talking about unions and the importance or not important to the union. Uh, to this to this country, and um, how valuable unions have been, or have they not been valuable to the to this country? You agree? I agree wholeheartedly, one hundred percent. Is that what your note said? That's what my note say. The country wouldn't be we wouldn't be set up the way we are, um, labor wise, if we're not were not for unions. Right, I like my like my days off. Exactly. <laughs> you need to fight for that. But I tell you what, let's get into our guests. Um, we'll, we're going to let them kind of, because they have some really dynamic resumes. Um, one I've known since I moved to Memphis. Um, I've been following him the entire time. But we're going to go with ladies first. Karen Miller, president of the ATU National Local 1700. That Thank is that. correct. All right. Give me. Thanks, man. <laughs> Sometimes I get a hand clap on that. And we also have Kermit Moore, uh, formerly of the United States Steel Worker, but still head of the A. Philip Randolph Institute. Mr. Moore. Good morning, all. All right. So let's dive right into this thing. Um, you know, one of the most important things I think about our country and how it was built. Um, can I say something before we dive right into it? Of course, Jet. I would like each of them to tell us a little bit about themselves and what their roles are with their respective uh, labor unions, if that's okay. Sure. All right. Um, Mr. Moore? I saw that red flag get threw up over there. Yeah. <laughs> Mr. Moore was my father. I'm just Kermit. All right, then. Uh, he told you that twice already. Presently, I'm the president of the Memphis A. Philip Randolph Institute. The A. Philip Randolph Institute was started by A. Philip Randolph and Bell Rustin in 1965 following the Voting Rights Act to uh, empower the black community when it comes to voting and the electoral process. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. Um, Karen? I am uh, Karen Miller, president of... Uh, ATU National Local 1700. As president of the uh, the National Local Union, I negotiate contracts. I uh, enforce contracts and the rights of workers. I've been um, I've I've just been elected to my third term as president. It's a three year term. I've been this is my third term. All right, all right. And uh, I've also congratulations, been, Madam President. Thank you. And I've also <laughs> been a uh, prior to that I was a regional vice president for three terms. So 
I've been a union officer uh, for quite a while, and I must say I'm very good at this job. <laughs> I, wow, we're just blowing our own horn on that one, aren't we? <laughs> <laughs> No, we needed a horn for that one. Right, yeah. <laughs> do, do. Yeah. What what I found is that um women don't uh talk about their accomplishments enough. And uh it's very challenging me being a woman and president of a local and um black woman too. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. So um or, yeah. you, you really have to work harder and do more. Um, and I don't think we're recognized for that. So that's why every now and then it is good to to yeah. pat your own self on the back because yeah. not enough other people do it. But you don't do it for the, you know, for recognition. Yeah. For any yeah. other reason other than you believe in it and you're helping people and you want you want to see the right thing done. So that's the only reason I do it. Mm-hmm. If I didn't believe in it, I couldn't do it. Mm-hmm. Some people do it. For other reasons, but I have to believe in in what I'm doing. Right. And, and I mean, and that's kind of like uh, like with a lot of things, especially I can as- only assume with unions that it has to be something that you're passionate about and that you love, because just like so many other situations, it can be a very thankless job. You know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. and it's it's something that we don't consider or think enough of, especially today you know i think if you are if you're an adult <clears throat> and healthy meaning you don't need a hospital right now then you're probably working somewhere you need a union <laughs> right you need a union if you understand robber bears and captains of industries and and what wealthy will do to you if you don't have a union all you got to do is look at the history of labor in, in America, this country you know yeah yeah so it's it's a very important industry um when kelly when you guys mentioned you want to have this and we want to talk about it I was like, let's do, because that, that's uh, something because, we need to be educated on. Right, and we need to address the unions in this country, because far many times I mm-hmm. think that we are, you know, like I said, my father was in the union, you know, I have uncles that were in the union. Um, far too many times I think that we don't appreciate the things that unions do, because they don't, they're not out front saying, oh, we did this, and we did that, and we did this, and did that. But some of the, the, things, that you, the, the things that you enjoy in your job is like medical. You know, paid sick leave, right. uh, these days off you get. Those things were fought for by unions. Right. You think someone actually, well, I'm just going to let you have a day off. Right. Yeah. No, they're not going to just let things you have Things like a day just off. simply going home at the end of the day. Right, like it's a good <laughs> thing to do. No, they yeah. were mandated to do that. They didn't do you no favor. They were told they had to let you do that. It had to happen. It wasn't because, oh, I just have such a... Kind hard, Mr. Scrooge, and right. I'm just going to let you off on Christmas. Because if not, you still be working on Christmas. I don't care what a big Christian you are or not. They, if they could get a dollar out of you, they would. Because what billionaire or millionaire wouldn't want to still be making money on the holidays, right? Right. <laughs> yeah. Well, he's enjoying it with his family. Yeah. Now, all I've heard of unions coming up, like Kelly said, his folk were union people and all of that. Now, I have truck drivers in my family, so I'm sure they was they had unions, right? But I wasn't educated on what that was, what that was about, wasn't even talked about. But all I heard about it was they just well, they just take your money and don't do nothing. That's one of the first things I like for you guys to address. I'll stop. I'll I'll I'll, I'll talk, but I I I won't stop. So, uh, Kermit, I'm gonna let you start because <laughs> I'll I'll beat that one. And, and this <laughs> and this is my my experience will come from black folk, right? Not then, so we can address it in general, but. What I know of it is coming from black folk. Mm-hmm. Well, that comes from their ignorance. Mm-hmm. 
Amen. And the propaganda that the media and their bosses tell them. Mm-hmm. If it wasn't for the unions, you wouldn't have OSHA. wouldn't be safety on our jobs. That's right. Mm. And as Kelly said, the eight-hour day vacation, hospitalization. Mm-hmm. But it's out of the ignorance mm-hmm. that they're told, if we were on an organizing drive right now, they would have captive meetings telling them, all the union want is your money. That's right. Uh, the union boss got this and got that. But what do the boss have? Mm-hmm. Uh, can I say something right here? Go right ahead. They will Companies will spend millions of dollars to keep a union out. They'll When you could spend that same money in benefits and salaries and all the other, everything that, that's negotiated in a contract, they'll spend millions to keep a union out. They figure it's their company. I want to run it the way I want to. And if I don't, if I want to fire you, I can. But having union representation, you're, you can't just fire me. You can, but you, you're going to have a fight. Um, you're entitled to representation. You, you can't. If a if a uh, if an employee says I want uh, a union rep, they have to end the meeting right then and give the employee the opportunity to get representation. And a lot of people, I, I, I became active as a steward simply because on the job, um, I was a bus driver. I'm still a bus driver on a union leave of absence. So. Um, uh, but I would hear other people with problems and I would tell them what the language said and what they were entitled to. But some people do not have the ability to speak up for themselves. Right. So you need a voice to speak for you, which is a union. Right. And I think that's good. And something that you just said, I thought was so important. Unions are the voice of the voiceless. Mm-hmm. When you can't articulate enough to argue your demands. That's what a union does. Mm-hmm. Um, they, most unions, that I, all the unions I know of, but they have always stood up for the, for the right of the worker. And when we talk about dues, right, and, and we can cover that a little bit later on as we go along, but when you look at it, right, it's not that much. And we, but what it does, when you put it all in one collective pot, makes you a mighty force. It's, all, it's just like having... People don't mind when they put money into a, a, a lobbyist mm-hmm. when they're when they're when they're fighting somebody fighting on your behalf. Right, you 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 got that all day long. Right, but and it's always a problem when you have folk with no money advocating for you too. Right, right. <laughs> because you know we know the problems in, in roadblocks you you run into there. People can be bought off, or you know you just don't get good services, right? Because people have their own agenda. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, yeah, that's always a problem. Um, and, and I was looking through this list of pros and cons of having unions, right? And and, mm. and as I looked through it, all of the cons of having a union, um, I, I, a lot of them we already addressed within the, some paragraphs, right? And one of them was you have to pay dues and fees. And, and as I looked through them, they are addressed. If you read the cons, they address themselves, right? Because it, 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 it makes sense. Like unions can lead to 
a closed culture that makes it hard to diversify the workforce and weed out bad actors. Right. Uh, when I read that, what I read is that I had a, a boss tell me once, um, had a boss tell me once, well, he didn't tell me anything. He became adversarial to me because I had read the worker's handbook. Mm. Company Ooh. didn't have a union, right? But the handbook just like is basically my union, right? And I, when I came, I read the union. Okay, I see you're going to be a troublemaker. Mm. That's why a union is required, right? Because they prefer have employees who don't. You know who won't, who can't advocate for themselves, and then they can make the rules and present it to you as if this fifty dollar holiday ham is a benefit to you, right? Right? Yeah. And so, in your handbook, you already said it, but nine mm-hmm. times out of ten, jokers haven't even read their employee handbook. Mm-hmm. What you're entitled to the rights? So I do have a question, um, and for both of them, may I say one little thing? Sure. Uh, Jet said uh, a word that. Um, uh, it's barely in my vocabulary. Boss. Okay. I, I detest that word. Mm-hmm. And uh, when I was in the workplace, I, I got to a location and the uh, supervisor said, uh, told me, uh, you need to call your boss. I said, uh, excuse me? You need to call your boss. I said, the manager? Mm-hmm. He said, well, she's your boss. I said, no, she's the manager. Yeah. yeah. Um, I wish people didn't buy into that word boss. Um, uh, They're they're just I I know it's a job title in the workplace, you know. And actually, I mean, as you're speaking here, it actually is not an official job title. It's not in anybody's handbook. It is manager and uh whatever the official titles are. But that's a word that's been given to us. And I and I I believe it came from slavery or somewhere. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Uh, I, I, I would like. Mm-hmm. I, I detest that word. So when I was looking at you, it wasn't. I, mm-hmm. I, I appreciated everything you were saying. I said, mm-hmm. but I've got to address this boss. Oh, that's good. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> you know? I, I, I'm into that one. <laughs> well, we're gonna take a quick break, and when we come back, we're gonna continue with um, Karen and Kermit and our conversations regarding union because we have we have several really great questions. We want them to break some things down for us. So we're going to take a break and you are listening to 901 Voices and Votes brought to you by 118 Media. And we'll be right back. If you think this show is great, check out our other podcasts under 118media.com. You can find out bios, what we have going on, the various podcasts, and all the different genres and how we're growing. And if you're interested in podcasting, we can help you with that too. So check out 118media.com. That's www.118media.com. Or check us out on Facebook. We'd love to hear what you have to say. And we hope you enjoy your listening. Now let's get back to this podcast. Welcome back to 901 Voices and Votes Podcast, brought to you by 118 Media. I'm Kelly D. I'm Brother Jet. And I'm Tony Hayes. And we are talking with Karen Miller, president of ATU National Local 1700, and also Kermit Moore, formerly of the United States Steel Workers and head of the A. Philip Randolph Institute, right here in Memphis, Tennessee. Cool beans. Awesome. <laughs> so, so amazing. When we left, we were getting ready to start asking some questions. So I want to know, why do you guys think that some Americans are not supportive of unions? As I forestated, people are not supportive of unions today because of the propaganda 
that they get from the media. Right. So do you think a lot of in their propaganda, is it is it just outside of the propaganda that a lot of people just really don't know the purpose of unions and how it really serves you? Because just like I think we talked about it on break that when we do orientation, because I used to work for the city so many years, you never see a union rep come in. And talk to people during orientation. It might be a little slip of paper that they may give or may not give during orientation. Because I just don't think if you don't come from a union background and it's not fully explained to you the purpose or the benefits of unions, that people are just like, oh, that ain't got nothing to do with me. You know, that doesn't help me in any kind of way. And I agree with that. But uh, on our job, I prepare packets and we have um, time allowed for a union uh, presentation and generally there's always someone in the class in the training class that asks a lot of questions well I'm in a right to work state I don't have to join and uh, I'm going to think about it and I have the the person doing the presentation to collect all of all of the information I provided, well, you won't be needing this. And after that's done, they'll say, well, uh, well, well, I'll go on and join, you know, because I'm, I'm letting them know right now this belongs to the union. I'm still going to represent you because legally you have to do that. But I think it should be explained. Uh, a lot of people, I think a lot of people are of the opinion that, I don't need a union. I'm just going to do my job and I won't have any problem. That is so untrue. It's just not true. It's, it's not true. Uh, you're going to need help at some point. But again, all the benefits that you have on a job where there is a union on the property, that's where those benefits came from. And like we said earlier, nobody gave the employer didn't give you that. Uh, those are things that are fought for and negotiated uh, over. So it, it's about your point. It's about educating people about unions. Good stuff. Yes. And I mean, <clears throat> when we look at today, uh, well, let, let's get Kermit's take on that as well. Did you, you had something for that? Okay. Um, when we look at today's, when we're talking about Starbucks and how they're fighting for their, their work conditions at the Starbucks. Um, why, why do you guys think that's these, they're taking up this new fight for unions? Well, uh, during COVID, uh, so many things happened to people and, uh, We've never we didn't we've never lived through times like that. So there was nothing written on what to do for this and what to do for that. And a lot of people were off from work with no pay and uh, no health coverage and had to figure it out. And I think they kind of realized the need uh, more so for unions than they ever had before. And even um, unions that all already are on properties. We found ourselves in situations with the companies. What are we going to do for this? What do we do for that? And then, so when you get back to the negotiating table, you're trying to write uh, new language 
to cover things like that uh, in the event that they ever happen again. And we're still going through things. So some of the states have laws to protect things like that. But I think more and more people like Starbucks and Amazon workers and other workers are realizing the need for a union. Uh, I really think COVID had a lot to do with that. Right, right, right. Because we were experiencing things that we never experienced before. Exactly. You know, people were having, you know, you got people were getting COVID. You had family members that were getting, you know, and then it, the language, you know, if you had a family member that got sick when COVID just first started, you had to be home, what, 14 days? 14 right. days. You know, and that could be 14 days with out pay and that made a very big difference to in a lot of people's lives mm-hmm. at that time or even if you contracted COVID mm-hmm. you know you had to be home and a lot of those days were, were without pay right. so I can understand you know the language having to be changed in contracts and the benefit of that most definitely and people that did not have unions uh, at least in well in all the contracts I've negotiated or that have been negotiated on our properties we have uh, paid sick leave, and you can accumulate your sick leave. So a lot of people had sick leave benefits to utilize, but if it were not for a union, you wouldn't have, have had that. And I think when people found themselves on jobs and nothing to fall back on because you don't see it coming, people just think, well, you know, I'm, I'm a young person. I don't need health insurance. I don't care if I have it on a job or not. I'm healthy. Right. Uh, you know, so... I think more and more people are realizing the benefits of a union and the importance to uh, to organize. Yeah. And, and to piggyback on what uh, uh, Ms. What Karen said is, especially young people, it's like voting and, and everything. We do need to find a way to get them more involved mm-hmm. in the the necessity of unions and things like that, because they tend to look at it like a line item. Right. OK, I got uh, medical health. I uh, these things are going to come out, FICA, whatever that is, and all that, and then unions. Okay, that, I don't have to have that because that, you know, that costs money. So let, let me save here, right? Until you realize, until COVID exposes all the cracks in the cement, you know. Um, so it, it, it's it's a education thing too, and and Kermit has uh, Kermit has brought up the media a couple of times. Um, I think who we owns are, who owns the media. Multi-billionaires. Mm-hmm. And who fights against the... Who fight the union every day. Mm-hmm. And uh, if mm-hmm. they care... What do they care about you? Mm-hmm. They don't. But they make you think they care about you. They don't care about the money, what comes out of your paycheck. Right. Mm-hmm. And they, they have to pay dues to be part of the Chamber of Commerce. They can't just uh, be part of the Chamber of Commerce and they not paying dues. Mm-hmm. Right. But they want to sell you in not being a part of the union because you got to pay dues. Mm-hmm. That's one of the biggest lies it is. And that's why the right to work is being put in our Constitution in the state of Tennessee forever. Mm-hmm. That's good though, but could could you could you I don't, before we get before we get too far off of that, could you please explain to people what the right to work is? Because most people may not know what that is. Mm-hmm. Right. I know they don't because we, they were asking questions when they were we had 
one of our friends inboxing questions why he was there getting ready to vote for it. You know, so go ahead and explain that. Because the language can yeah, be. Yeah, because the language. Yeah, yeah well, on amendments, the language can be. Deceptive. Yeah, it can yeah. be deceptive. Mm-hmm. You know, so if you don't have somebody that explains this, this is what you need to break it down in layman terms yeah. for a lot of people, you know, when, you, when you're looking at amendments. But yes, how... Um, We'd we'd love to know what the definition. Right is. to work, the right to work law came into existence seventy five years ago. It's a racist law. They came up with it when blacks and whites were starting to be part of the union together. Mm-hmm. Uh, right to work is the right to not have representation. The right to get paid less. And with right to work being put in Tennessee state constitution, our legislators in the Chamber of Commerce will sell Tennessee as a place you can come, come, come. We got low-wage workers who will work for nothing. And, yeah, that's a age-old game right there. <laughs> because, to be honest with you, this country doesn't have a, a issue – about finding workers. That is not true. And now they always say, oh, we can't find anybody to work. Mm-hmm. No, what this country got a problem with is paying workers what it's worth. Mm-hmm. And they're like, well, Kelly, if we pay them this, you'd have to pay this much more. I don't have a problem with that. Because you know what? When you're employing American workers, you know what he's less, he or she is less likely to be doing? Robbing me. Yeah, <laughs> you know what I'm saying. Actually, I'm investing in myself mm-hmm. because I'm gonna stop you from robbing me or needing to try to kill one of my family members to get something that you need. If I'm paying you a, a wage, well, you'd have to pay three times as much for or two times as much what that's worth. Not really, is it? <laughs> you have to look at at that. What is the What does that mean for you? Yeah, the CEO just won't be a ten. 10 billionaire he'd just be a five billionaire because <laughs> I, I wrote a i wrote a paper um about um walmart this has been a few years ago walmart i think after they paid all their bills the workers bought all the profit walmart netted 17 billion dollars right and, and it's one of the biggest recipients of welfare in this country right <laughs> then turned around and then 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 i looked at it right if they took one billion dollars right They'd made instead of seventeen, they'd made sixteen. If they'd have did that and put it in back into their workforce and invested in the people, right? They'd still made sixteen billion dollars. Mm-hmm. To me, I think we could do just as well if I only make a billion dollars less. Because if you looked at my, you know, looked at some posts I've made in, in the past, is it really worth making all this money? But you're not really getting what you really want. Mm-hmm. It, do you really need to make sure other people are suffering mm-hmm. just to make a little extra dollars? Right. And one of the worst arguments I, I heard was uh, against the fight for 15 or whatever. It's like, Can you imagine somebody just flipping burgers at McDonald's making $15 out? Can you imagine how much a burger would cost? You'd be paying $20 for a burger. I'm like, well, maybe yeah. McDonald's shouldn't be in the burger business. Yeah. Maybe burgers are not uh, a a profitable business thing. They just need to go away. They already seven dollars right. for a burger, right? <laughs> Thirty-five cents mm-hmm. is all it would cost on your Happy Meal or whatever mm-hmm. to pay employees fifteen dollars an hour at McDonald's. Hmm. 
And that ain't enough. 35 <laughs> cents. Right. That profit mm. margin is ridiculous. It is. Yeah. It but, is. but so what they did then. And McDonald's don't care. McDonald's is actually, people don't realize it's in the real estate business. McDonald's right. own more real estate they, in this world than any company <laughs> ever. McDonald's owns the land Times Square is sitting on. Right. McDonald's Corporation owns that. You know, whatever holding company they are behind. Right. They yeah. own real estate. They own right. the, the real estate part. That's where they really make the money. Right. The burgers. <laughs> yeah, you just think it's the burgers. The right. Yeah. Burgers yeah. is a side job. Not them chicken nuggets. It's yeah. y'all. It's not the chicken nuggets. Right. And that's what happens if you don't research what these companies are. Mm-hmm. Legitimately what they are. They're, a lot of people are fooled by the name and what the company represents. But actually, that's not even what the company is. It's actually a sidebar of what the company that's really is. That's that. The subsidiary. Right. That's, I was going to say, that's what subsidiary really is. Right. Mm-hmm. No. So it's, it's really wild. You know. uh, but. And that's what we have to understand, that unions are here for the American worker. I saw a post one day, and I think I almost went to Facebook jail for it. And it wasn't anything to go to Facebook jail about, because I've been there so much lately. (laughs) It was talking about the people that built this country. I want to be your friend on Facebook. (laughs) Go ahead, send me a request. He he won't respond, because he's staying in Facebook jail. Anyway, (laughs) but what we were talking about, you know, what, what, what the post was talking about, who actually built this country. It were men and women with overalls and blue collars on that actually built what this country is today. Not the guy running around with a suit <laughs> talking about, oh. Well, don't tell Netflix that. Whatever. They ain't they built, built nothing. America. <laughs> they haven't built America. It's the person, the labor that has built this country. Mm-hmm. And I think somehow we've been delusional about what really built this country. Like the roads. Like your well, interstate free labor built this country. This is true too. I was getting and, that point too, and that's mm-hmm. and that's what they want us to do today. Still, yeah. with the minimums, mm-hmm. yep. it's free labor that made this country, and we need to tell it and tell it like it is. Yep, my ancestors. Now this is true. That this is now that's the part that gets tricky, and you have to tell the truth about mm-hmm. how you how this country amassed how much wealth before you ended slavery. Yeah, and it's 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 the same things. Uh, the country is 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 founded on and rooted in right, and it, it, the country hadn't changed. They just changed, changed the game, changed tactics, right? For you know, went from slavery to hiring people minimum, right? Paying them, they were st- they were killing workers. They were even they even shot people who were trying to form. Um, Unions, right? right? You know, and so it's still, it's still the nothing. same brutal system, right? It's just change. Sharecropping. media, then you have to prove to people that you are, when you start going over to other countries and, and killing people for democracy, then you got to at least let your country have the appearance of democracy, right? And so then you create a, a, a decadent veil of, of some sort of, um, some sort of uh, civilized activity here, right? And so that, that's the thing you do. You pay workers and then you, you, you prop up a you prop up a look, right? You prop up a whole look to make it to, to give the appearance that you're fair and just the best country in the world, right? Isn't that the slogan, right? But then if you get into unions and you get into the fight, you see some of the things that they're having to fight for, or some of the reasons they get to brag about being the great country, the greatest country in the world. Yeah. They fought against it, right? And and people like uh, Kermit and Karen had to fight the country to make it. To, to give them something to brag about. And they're still fighting against yeah. it, right? So it's a good thing. Yeah. So if you, well, speaking of fighting, so what would you say, um, Kieran and Kermit, what are 
like some of the top three things that you feel like unions right now in this country are fighting for? Because, you know, it's different things with different unions, but top three things that you think that most unions are having to fight for is that wage increases is that medical it's uh wages is always number one uh health care is always number two in my opinion that they're equally as important as the other because you can make fifty dollars an hour but if you don't have adequate or health care that health you you're you're not making possibly but uh twenty dollars an hour because you gotta have so wages health care and um I would say the third issue is um safety possibly safety yeah. safety yeah. and security mm-hmm. and that might have should have been but all three of them are equally right. equally mm-hmm. as important and, and 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 the the work rules i mean you can make again 50 dollars an hour but if the rules are so bad you won't be able to stay there and earn that so yeah. all of it all of it is important, important. all of you it know. is important <laughs> in the, we keep bringing up healthcare on the job, right? Mm-hmm. That is, if you understand how much people pay for that, Ooh. and I, and I'm and I promise you, I have been spoiled because I've never had to pay for healthcare. You're lucky, you. Yes, mm-hmm. um, you know, I went for my. Uh, th- thank you. Uh, it's I like, pay almost four hundred dollars a week. Right, a that, week. That's not the a month. thing. <laughs> yeah, it's it's like <laughs> people tell and people still got tell nerd me. to send me little bills after my children to visit the doctors. Right, they stay sick, mm-hmm. uh, and that's the thing. You know, I, and I'm listening to people talk about man, yeah, man, I'm paying sixteen hundred dollars a month in uh, in healthcare, and I'm thinking to myself, man, I'm be looking at them like this. Oh Lord, you just broke, broke, because I don't, I can't really fathom that, right? Because I went for my parents, uh, for my daddy insurance. To, to the, to the to, government. To government assistance. Shut up. Oh, uh, you don't like that, do you? <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's not government assistance. I heard every penny. I heard every penny of that. I don't care what you say. I knew you were going to push back at yeah, that. Yeah, I'm going to push back on that because I heard that one, Jack. Um, but that's the thing. And then you got people that's not in unions arguing about, well, I need to be to the doctor. Well, if you was helping your union fight the people that won't let you have no more money and you crying about, oh, I got to pay. I hear it every day. And I'm thinking to myself, like, Dude, if I had to pay that, oh, I'd be on everybody's council helping to fight to get some lower insurance. You know what I'm saying? Because that is ridiculous. Because you say you're paying what now? I pay well over $300 a week. Yeah. Wow. So that's about $1,200 a month. So, which, yeah, that's more that's family coverage. Oh, yeah, that's all. I mean, he got, like, he got a whole slew of them over there. About, it's about 30 of them. But the thing is, if he was in a union, I can almost guarantee you he wouldn't be paying that much because mm-hmm. the, the union would be fighting the company to make them pay their fair share. Exactly. Well, he ain't going to do that. They were down there. They be making propane and stuff. They said propane over there, so I don't think they. I don't know about them. <laughs> but anyway, you can say that so they're giving people a, a very false idea of what I do and where I work. But, yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah, that, that's a lot. Uh uh, and and I of course I agree mm-hmm. with Kurt. now now I'm a, I'm a walking union over there so they're telling me after the first of the year that's going to be greatly reduced and all that because I'm like yeah um, 
you know, I trade my blood, sweat, and tears, <laughs> you know, for y'all to live well around here. And let me call Mr. Tyler. This dude over here talking about, he trying to get, he trying to get, make y'all call somebody. Oh, it's going down. <laughs> yeah, it's going down. So I think we need to take a break. Yeah, we need and to take a break. when we come back, we'll finish our conversation uh, discussing unions and the benefits of them. Uh, and I'm pretty sure Jit may have some cons, but you know. So you're listening to uh, 901 Voices and Votes podcast. Brought to you by 118 Media, and we'll be right back. And if you want to stay in the loop with 901 Voices and Votes podcast, brought to you by 118 Media. Catch us on Spotify or follow us on our website and hear the latest episode at www.901voicesandvotes.com. Like, follow, and share our podcast. And we're back with 901 Voices and Votes, powered by 118 Media. I'm Brother Jet. I'm Kelly D. And I'm Tony Hayes. And we're still sitting here discussing unions and the necessity of them with our special guest, Karen Miller, president of ATU National Local 1700, and Brother Kermit Moore, the current president of A. Philip Rand- Memphis A. Philip Randolph Institute. Okay. All right. Karen, I do have a question, and this is for both of you as well. Um, I don't want to dance around the question. Racism within unions. Is there some racist issues inside of unions or unions are facing racism on the jobs? Absolutely. Could you expand on a little bit? Absolutely. Uh, Racism uh, is is, uh, alive and uh, active in the workplace. Employees are, when it comes to disciplinary issues, employees of color are disciplined differently than other employees uh, and unfavorably uh, disciplined, more severely they are. Uh, So... It's that's another reason why it's important to form a union, join a union, but even within the union on the property, racism is an issue. Okay, I mean, because when you think about that, you know, you you wonder is there the the workplace is no different from any other segment of America. Okay. And race, racism is rampant in America. It rampant. Is. Especially in the last six to eight years. Yes. Right. We we woke up a dead monster. Ooh, I think we thought the monster was dead. But it was just hiding. It was just sleep. Well, I don't think, well, I, not to disagree with you, I don't think it was sleep. It was waiting for another opportunity to raise its head again. Um, I don't think it ever went to sleep. It was just confined and chained by rules and regulations. And then anytime you erode them or you advocate things, now they want to rise up and shake those chains loose again. And we got to get that thing under control again because something that me and Jet always used to joke about, sometimes I think we ought to let the dog (laughs) off the chain uh, to take care of some of this other business. But I always collusion is, <laughs> but but the one thing I've always said, and like my daddy told me, 
once you take that dog off the chain, boy, how you going to get him back on the chain? Mm -hmm. And that becomes a problem. And right now, if you looked at the January 6th situation, that got out of hand. That got out of hand. And and, and, and it was, it's hard to get a dog back on the chain. A dog, big dog like that is starting biting people. And you want to put it back on, on the chain, you can't hardly do it. And but that's I, but and also to that I say it needed to be let off the chance as uh, Brother Kermit said. Um, we'll see you. They, they, they just needed it, it wasn't a, neither sleeping nor dead. They just needed somebody to show that it was okay to still say right. Mm-hmm. And once that happened, then we saw who won, who had it on the tip of their tongues. Right, gotcha. We saw that who had it there. And and I would <laughs> say to that, it's okay to let it out because America has never dealt with it for real. Right. And so when these things, they, they keep popping back up um, and it's something we have to face and deal with. I, I want them to go ahead and be ugly and, and, and show where they're from and what they think so we can then govern ourselves accordingly because we get out of hand, too, by letting a lot of things happen slide, or accusing each other of complaining or reverse racism. That actually became a term, right? As if black people can somehow heap racism upon uh, white folk in this America. Um, but I think, Karen, I'm not sure if you addressed it, um, racism within the union organization, because you said something at the beginning of the show about you being a woman, woman of color, and the first woman to be elected. Did you experience any? Because Herman said it's in every fabric of this country, right? Um, it is. Did you experience that at all? Well, absolutely, and I, I, I do every day. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, driving a bus for a living, being a woman, was challenging because they thought I was pulling tickets and a man was going to walk up and drive drive the schedule. Uh, when I, I was the first woman elected to a seat on the board of Local 1700, and I've been the first woman elected as president. So hmm. uh, it's it's always challenging. But I need to go back to what you said a few minutes ago, um, if y'all don't mind. And that is about racism and some things need to happen. And you, I think we as people... I can, from just being around people, pretty much know what I'm dealing with. Mm-hmm. I think it was horrible January 6th and any all of that. I don't think it needed to be let out. Mm-hmm. I think in order for it to come out, they needed a voice, uh, a leader, and that's what they got. Somebody tell that me brought it was okay. out all of the, yeah, uh, and that should not have been unleashed. But I do firmly believe that what's in you will eventually reveal itself. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, we don't, just as a culture, we don't teach our children to hate. Mm-hmm. We don't. We don't. Uh, so when those things happened, it causes us to react and deal with those situations. Mm-hmm. And a lot of ugly things have happened. Yeah. So, uh, but... So so racism, period, you know, is a problem in itself. It's not going anywhere. Uh, uh, but 
and it, 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 that's just an issue in the country. It's mm. not a union issue. It's just an issue. It's right. an everyday issue that we have to stay vigilant about. Correct. Mm-hmm. Um, and correct people when they need to be corrected. But I don't think that should have been unleashed. Yeah. Uh, uh, and, let, and let me correct that. I wasn't saying that. Well, not that it should have been unleashed, but I, I think, too, as you said, we don't teach our children hate. Or we don't we don't tend to teach them. Even when we do teach each other and our children about racism, it's hard for them to see because they always think we're talking about something, how people behaved a long time ago. Right. This set a clear path for us to see clearly that when these people say that they have a problem with black people who are protesting and or rioting because they're tired of being killed, then these folk attacked America because they were they lost the presidency, right? And and what was done about it, what's being done about it is two different things. As you say in the workplace, we're treated differently, we're mm-hmm. punished differently for mm-hmm. things, and now we get to see. Right. It's it's a little easier to explain to my children who go to school with white people, who did, you know, yes. friends and things like that, who who didn't experience yeah. a lot of things, right? You know, yeah. so uh, that I meant from that standpoint because sometimes I get viewed as the what they, what y'all call me, Kelly? Oh, the angry black, the man. angry black man when I'm well, trying to explain for how this thing works, well, you know. <laughs> and you're right, but mm-hmm. but and it's okay to be. Um, uh, uh, angry, uh, but let me say this. Whereas we don't teach our children to hate, and I have to, I, I'm, I just have to bring this up. We have to teach uh, uh, our sons and grandsons um, what to do in situations to not get arrested or right. or be beaten or killed in a traffic stop. Mm-hmm. That's what all of this stuff has brought out in people. We need you know. a union for that. Yeah. So, so, I mean, <laughs> I mean, it yeah. is. It, yeah. it, it is a lot. You know, just even for me, mm-hmm. um, raising a I have a minor son who is 13, you know, who went. Did you call him a minor son? He's, he's my minor son. Well, because, you know, I have an adult child as well. Well. Yeah, but that boy, you got like, he's like 17. I mean, 13. He's 13. That dude a damn grown man. But here's the thing. You know, I he went to a small, private, predominantly white school for, mm. you know, six, seven years since he started school. And I put him in an all-black school this year and the culture shock (laughs) you know that he has experienced Mm -hmm. you know from going from one environment to another what I realized is that I had to check myself as a mother because I felt like did I do him a disservice because see he didn't feel like there was a difference between him and the other children he didn't didn't understand that there was a race thing Mm -hmm. you know what I'm saying so when I'm trying to explain what happened on January 6th and you know explaining black lives matter and you're black so you know and you have to do things differently there was a there was a disconnect because you know and 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 you still have some teaching to do because now what he's going to experience is what he feels like because of 
his demeanor mm-hmm. because of the way he speaks. Yeah. He's gonna feel like black people are more racist toward him than white people yeah. are when that's not the so he has a whole world yeah. of learning. And, yeah. And, uh, yeah, you know, we're some things about, to unlearn. Right. Yeah. You know, yeah. we're talking about driving and being yeah. pulled over and, and also the, the, my, one of my older my he's an adult now, but I, I feared that too by having a lot of white friends going to school with white friends. Who's that little Jesse? You learn how to interact with the police through them, mm-hmm. and and that and ain't your world. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. You know, so you know, I mean, so I mean, I, I, you know, I, I know and believe and feel, you know, that racism is unfortunately a part of our everyday life. You know, and to me, there is not one easy answer that's going to fix it all overnight. You know, because there's been you know, centuries of, you know, mindsets and, you know, we can teach our children all of the correct things to do, but, you know, I, even though we know we have to do it, but, you know, others aren't having to teach their yeah. children mm-hmm. how a, to properly a, act if ever pulled over and or questioned. And, and, and it gets to be frustrating too. um, yeah, I know I'm going to pull y'all back in, right? And you can still, oh, think, sorry, you can still yeah. think about these things in, in the framework right, of union, right, although right. we don't have a union for these things, right? Right, but, right? But you can still think about them in the frame because it gets into when you list out the things we need to teach our children to do when pulled over by the police, it almost gets into slave clothes or Jim Crow laws, right? Don't look them in the face. I always say, yes, sir, no, sir. We, we have to reteach our children those things that yeah. we that we I'm had not, to learn during I'm, Jim Crow. I'm, I'm, not you know? none, I'm not doing none of that. And let me bring us back. Okay. Because we didn't get into another subject. Yeah. Um, but one, I think one of the greatest things, you know, that we were Can we have a union for reparations? Right. Okay, next. Okay. Go ahead, Kelly. <laughs> like I said, I like in the beginning, union. like when unions, you know, kind of emerged in on the American landscape. Um, you know, one of the things I admired about A. Philip Randolph, he was talking about workers, white and black, poor. You you talking about poor people, the working poor people. He and he, and he clearly stated, and you can help me out there, Kermit. You know, his his idea was about people. Coming together for a same cause. Not to say we got a kumbaya type of thing, but your problem is my problem. Me and you got the same problem, no matter what our, our skin color is. And we have to do something about that. And I'd like to hear a little bit about what um, Kermit's organization does here in Memphis. And also, it's a national organization, too, as well. Yes, the A. Philip Randolph Institute was founded in 1965 by Bayard Rustin and A. Philip Randolph. Uh, to mobilize the black community to vote and empower themselves. Uh, And as you said, if we could get our brothers and sisters in Appalachia to realize that they have the same problems that we got in South Memphis, we could change the world. A. Philip Randolph, Many of of your listeners don't even know who he who is. He is. Mm-hmm. If it wasn't for A. Philip Randolph in the forties, the defense companies wouldn't have integrated. But he threatened to march on Washington in the forties. Yep. To force them to integrate the armed services and the the industries that were feeding. The war. That's right. We talk about 
1963 march on Washington. And many of us in our schools, we were taught that Dr. Martin Luther King marched on Washington, taking nothing away from the speech that Martin Luther King gave that day. The 1963 March on Washington was A. Philip Randolph and Bayard Rustin's baby. And that's what I wanted you to bring out. Because I've said it, or I say it all the time, had not been for A. Philip Randolph, you would not have had no Martin Luther King. People don't, I don't think people understand how powerful those unions were in the 40s. And, and Kermit said something that my father always said. <clears throat> Because uh, my father worked, he, when he left home, when he left the the, the, the the sawmill and went to work, he went on the, became a pullman porter. Then he got to working on the on the railroad, actually pulling trains and working in engines. And then he went to work at a steel company. Two things he always taught us. If it hadn't been for the unions and our right to vote is what got black people from being dirt poor sharecroppers into the middle class. So you can go to a school where you can get educated to be something better than you are. So without the unions and your right to vote, you'll still be out there being a sharecropper and they'll be happy to let you do it. Right. And today's sharecroppers come on with it. Are temporary workers. Oh Lord have mercy. You almost made it. I'm gonna have to lay you off and we'll call you back in a week or so. Start again. So you got to start your time all over again. Or oh, I'm gonna just give you thirty two hours. Mm-hmm. 32 hours where they get that at you know where they get it at <laughs> oh I'm gonna give you 32 hours man see that's the see that's what people don't understand you you have to look beyond what you see in Memphis we can live good off of 40 you make $4,000 you can pretty much be a good little baller you can live good you can get on Facebook and, if you're single with no children right yeah. you know what I'm saying if you're willing to live it, yeah. Yeah. Right. If you, you you can you can even have a nice little decent car. You, you can fake little, something. Yeah. You can get a little <laughs> fin fin or whatever you're driving, uh, and you can live halfway decent off that. Mm-hmm. You get a little health insurance or whatever, and you're not gonna complain too much because you know what? I can show out. I can get on all these social medias and I can ball. Right. And that's why probably like thirty plus starts looking into unions at that point because they're like, okay, we are in these streets. But and that's what I'm saying. Start doing the math. You, you cannot know? survive like that. Um, Jet always talks about the working poor, mm-hmm. right? It 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 becomes an issue. Yeah. Because no one that goes to work for eight hours a day should have to live in poverty. Right. I don't care what your job is. There shouldn't be no term, such term as the working poor. That's that is ridiculous. ridiculous. Ridiculous that this country will accept such a term. I would work, you want me to work eight hours, and I, and I think you, you need to get paid because you got there eight hours and did whatever they asked you to do. If you wanted me to dig ditches, flip burgers, um, program a computer, you need to do that because— Look, this country tells God, country, and family, right? God, country, and family. And if you're working poor, that contradicts all of that because you're treating one of God's children, a human being, as less that he can't afford to provide for a full family of what it takes, safety, insurance, and all those things that are required to live comfortably in this country and not be a member of the working poor. But I think, you know, as we have said on every show here, 
there is money in poverty. Oh, yes. You indeed. know, poverty is a billion dollar, multi-billion dollar business, you know, and and we've talked about it on other shows and we kind of, you know, but what, but we're going to go ahead and wrap this show up <laughs> yeah. because when we get to start talking about poverty have to say and crime, two, part you know, it'll be yeah. like, hey, you know, we will be here for the next few weeks. Mm-hmm. But uh, take then we want to take the time to thank our guest, uh, Mr. Kermit Moore and Ms. Kieran Miller to come for coming on to the show. We greatly appreciate it. You Thank you so much. Have provided us with a lot of just knowledgeable information for those of you, you know, in your fields. And hopefully some of this information has given, you know, people who may not know some more clarity on the importance yeah, of you. Putting up with our foolishness. Thank you for having me. Or Jets foolishness. All right. Well, this has been a. I'm going to take it for Kelly. This has been another episode of 901 Voices and Votes podcast brought to you by 118 Media. Thank you guys for listening. We greatly appreciate it. Please feel free to follow uh, the Facebook pages and social media. And you can always listen to 901 Voices and Votes on Spotify and also on Apple. And uh, every episode is aired on the website, which is www.901voicesandvotes.com. We hope that we will have you listen to us again. I am Tony Hayes. I'm Kelly D. And I'm Brother Jet. And if it looks like we're getting smaller and smaller, because we're getting farther and farther away. <laughs> Holla. <laughs> this has been a 118 Media Production.